This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. But the more important thing to, to know is that whether you get organic or conventional, they're both safe to eat. Um, the FDA and the USDA have done studies on this. and as long as you wash your fruit, there's really very little chance to be any residual pesticides on your fruit. And we're talking about minuscule proportions. That was Nick Wishnatsky, the marketing project manager at Wish Farms in the strawberry capital of the world, the berry capital of Florida, Plant City. If you are like most people, you love berries, blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, whatever that might be. When it comes to Florida agriculture, the berry industry is part of a $12.24 billion fruit and vegetable industry. And in today's episode, we're going to talk with Nick about Wish Farms and what they do. It's a great interview because, you know, with this season, we are covering organic production versus conventional production. And Wish Farms actually does both. Nick is going to talk to us about why they grow organic crops as well as conventional, the history of Wish Farms, how they work with farmers and partner growers both here in Florida and in California, the numerous production techniques they use to bring you the best berries that you know, and also how COVID has impacted their production techniques, which, you know, it's still impacting everybody. Some quick little information for you. Here in Florida, strawberry crops are valued at $450 million, which is pretty huge. This is the Farm Traveler podcast, the show for anybody curious to learn about where their food comes from, and I am your host, Trevor Williams. Be sure to check out Wish Farms and Nick simply at wishfarms.com, and you can find all their Instagram and Facebook links and everything in the description of this podcast. Hope you enjoy this episode, and hope you enjoyed the title. You know, it's a little dad joke, the berry best berries. Anyway, hope you enjoy our berry episode with Nick, from Wish Farms. Uh, 
All right. Well, Nick Wisnatsky, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for being on, man. So you are with Wish Farms down in the great city of Plant City, Florida. I know how important strawberries and, you know, just fruit in general are to Plant City. So tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how Wish Farms got started. Sure. Well, um, my name is Nick Wisnatsky and I'm part of the Wisnatsky family. I'm a fourth generation in the business. Um, and Wish Farms started all the way back in the early 1900s. My great grandfather came to America from Russia and he started selling put, uh, vegetables and fruits from a push cart in lower Manhattan. And he eventually grew that business up to uh, include another gentleman who was also selling fruits and vegetables from a push cart. And they created a uh, wholesale business on the, uh, the old um, Washington market in lower Manhattan. In 1922, they formed Wishnatsky and Nethel. And uh, they basically kept that business going through the 50s. And then my grandfather took over and my dad, um, well, actually, they came down to Florida in the 30s. And um, um, my great grandfather came down in like the mid to late 30s and started selling, uh, buying directly from the farmers down there for strawberries and shipping them up on the rail car up north. And uh, eventually my grandfather took over in the 50s and my dad in the 70s came into the business. And basically the business stayed the same pretty much from the 20s through maybe the really the early 2000s. And we started seeing a more consumer driven um, uh, industry, whereas before it was a very trade focused and we were very well known in the trades uh, with retailers and such. And, you know, we, our name was Wishnatsky and Nathel. Uh, and then we uh, separated from the Nathels and we did our own thing in Florida. And, you know, Wishnatsky is not exactly a name that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so we um, decided to rebrand in uh, 2009, 2010, and we became Wish Farms. And so now, to date, we are a year-round supplier of strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. We we're based in Plant City, but we're year-round, so we uh, source product from all over North America and South America. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, whenever I saw Wish Farms, I saw your last name. I was like, okay, there was a rebranding effort at some point, and this makes a lot more sense than just yeah. I thought it was just randomly Wish Farms. That's really cool. Right. So what's your, what's your growing process like? I mean, what's it like growing all the fruits that you do? Um, like what's that kind of process like that you guys do on your farm? Well, we have um, multiple farms that we work with. So we have our own company owned farm, um, which is based in um, Manatee County, Florida. And that special, they just grow strawberries during the Florida strawberry season. We also have farms in California that uh, grow during that California season for strawberries. And we also have a blackberry raspberry farm there. And we have a, a organic blueberry farm that we own in central Florida, but most of our fruit is procured from partner growers that we work with. So, you know, the planting season starts in, in Florida about September and we, you know, we source plants from nurseries all across the country. And, uh, and most people don't know this, but uh, strawberries, uh, you have to replant them every year. So 
you know, we can't, um, we have to till them into this, into the soil after the season's finished. But um, the growing process uh, starts in September for strawberries in Florida, and they start picking towards the end of October, November, and then it really ramps up um, in January, February, and we're just coming at the end here of our Florida season here in early April. Okay. I actually did not know that strawberries were an annual plant, so I did not know that. But can you tell us about like the the growing method for strawberries where they grow in like the big mound? I know you have that big machinery where it kind of compresses the soil and it kind of makes it, I don't know, like a maybe like a foot off the ground. It's like really compressed and it's basically like, like elevated raised bed for the strawberries. Yeah. So why does that really help strawberries grow in particular? Well, you have to excuse me. I'm on the marketing side, so I understand a little bit about the growing process, but you know, I'm not a farmer, so I can, I can explain it from a, the layman's point of, point of view here. Um, it's a raised bed and they compress the soil. Um, and having the raised bed achieves a couple of things. Um, it's easier for harvesters to pick because it's a little raised off the ground. And also it allows for the, uh, any precipitation or water to roll off and not, um, you know, get damaging the plant um, because water is not uh, very conducive for strawberries. You don't want any moisture or anything like that because then you have botrytis and a lot of other um, uh, issues that start popping up and you get that it really affects the quality. So you really want to have that water uh, roll away from the plant. And so that's that's what those beds achieved. And then we have the irrigation and fertigation that runs underneath there. So you also, um, you're able to contain that, all the inputs. And also it achieves um, uh, weed um, reduction as well. So you don't have weeds sprouting up because they don't have access to the sun. Okay, that makes much more sense. I mean, that was a great answer. So it sounds like you still know your stuff when it comes to the production <laughs> side of it. I know enough to be dangerous, but... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, there you go. That's cool. So you mentioned that you guys have in, in Florida, like an organic blueberry farm. So in terms of organic versus conventional, which do you guys do and why? So we actually do both. Um, the organic side, we, I would say that's about 15% of our business. Um, most of our business is conventional. Um, and you know, most people know that, or not a lot of people know, but organics are very costly on inputs. They're very expensive and they also yield quite less than conventional because we don't have as many tools in the toolbox to use as we do with our conventional uh, crop. Um, that said, we do, we were one of the, we were actually the first organic strawberry grower in the state of Florida. Um, and we've learned a lot over the years as the first ones, we, you know, we, we went through a lot of growing pains to get to where we are today. Our, our team has done an amazing job at, at, you know, there's so much you learn about, uh, growing organics because, you know, you're constantly having to monitor the crop and, and make tweaks. And, you know, I'm just I'm so impressed by our team down there and what they've been able to accomplish. But, you know, we offer those two choices because, you know, some consumers really prefer to have organic and some like myself, I eat the conventional ones. So it just depends on your, uh, your point of view, I guess. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And so coming from your marketing side, do you feel that 
how do you feel the consumer is educated about um, organic versus conventional crops? Like, do you think that they just want organic because they think it's healthier or because it has no pesticides or do you think people just want more and more conventional because it's cheaper? Like, what do you see on the marketing side of it? We see all kinds of things and we get all kinds of uh, feedback. You know, being in the marketing side, we get all the consumer uh, inquiries and questions and things. And, and unfortunately I, I think that there's a lot of misinformation that's been flowing out to the, um, to the public. And a lot of people are not really educated on this. Organic, there's a common myth that organics don't use pesticides and that's, that's not, that's not true at all. Um, they just use organic pesticides and organic fungicides. And so there is, there is a disconnect there because uh, consumers think, Oh, well I'm getting organic. That means it's, it's healthier and, and, um, and pesticide free. Well, that's not quite true. Uh, yeah, they're organic pesticides, but at the same time, they are pesticides. And but the more important thing to to know is that whether you get organic or conventional, they're both safe to eat. Um, the FDA and the USDA have done studies on this. And as long as you wash your fruit, there's really very little chance to be any residual pesticides on your fruit. And we're talking about minuscule proportions um, and there's a, a website we like to refer to people to it's called safefruitsandveggies.com and they actually have a pesticide residue counter and it says that a child can eat 180 conventional strawberries a day and not have any effect from pesticides so there's scientific studies out there that have covered this subject and that said there are people still can you know prefer even knowing that they prefer the organic to the conventional and that's perfectly fine. That's why we offer those two options to our consumers. That's really cool. And those are all really good points. And I'm finding that more and more like larger farms or larger distributors, they're also, they have like a small organic following where they still produce organically with, um, well, with certain growers and they do it so that they can kind of get into that niche where people are interested in just buying organic. So that's really cool. And those are all really, really good points. It's the beginning of April and we're all still going through this coronavirus stuff. Have y'all had an impact from it? I would definitely say we have seen a little bit of a, um, a disruption early on. There was a kind of a panic buying that happened uh, in the grocery stores and we saw a really huge increase in demand from our retail partners. And now since then, we've seen a precipitous drop in demand. Um, and I think Part of that has to do with the fact that people are stocked up on their groceries. They, they want to limit their grocery trips um, and they're maybe more apt to buy non-perishable goods than a perishable berry per se. Um, I would say that you could always freeze your berries and save them for smoothies like I do every day. But, you know, I think people um, have seen um, that they they want to get canned goods and stuff that, so they don't have to leave the house as often. I understand that. But we are kind of seeing, a, uh, and, and this is all across the fresh produce industry, um, there, there's definitely been a, a drop off in demand. So it's a little concerning. Um, and we're, you know, we're working to get our message pushed out, pushed out there that, you know, fruits and vegetables are safe to eat. And in, in fact, now more than ever, we need them because they boost our immune systems and make us healthier. So we're doing our best to get that message out there. And 
and we hope uh, it's heard. Right, and I really hope that it kind of that it definitely gets heard. And I've seen some people like onion growers, tomato growers, where they're having to throw away large shipments of food because there's not, I mean, there's no interest in it right now. So what are you guys having to do with that produce? Well, I I just read an article today that um, a Florida tomato grower had to had to dump about a hundred thousand pounds of tomatoes, which is just devastating and so sad to see obviously that's not something that anyone wants to do um there are a lot more impacts on food service industry you know with the restaurant shut down um we on we are not as heavy in food service for our berries and we do business with a number of uh, food service providers but uh, we're more on the retail side so you know with grocery stores staying open we're seeing we're not seeing as much of a drop off, but with those producers like onions and tomatoes, those are a lot of food service heavy items. And unfortunately that's, that's just what's happening there. You know, because these, these guys planted back in January or December before any of this blew up and they had no idea. So you, you're really at the mercy of where the market is in that moment. And it's just, it's just really sad to, to see. It's been crazy to see that, especially, I don't know if you've seen any updates from the dairy industry, but they've been dumping like tons and tons of gallons of milk because there's no, there's no drive for it right now, which is crazy. So so talking about, I mean, I really hope that you guys can bounce back and the whole ag industry can kind of bounce back from this. So when consumers are going to um, a store and they want to buy some fresh produce, is there anything in particular that they should look for when they're trying to buy like the freshest produce possible at the store? Yeah, I mean, I could speak to berries. Um, you definitely want to make sure you're buying your berries in a refrigerated case. Um, the biggest um, quality issue we see is when one that cold chain breaks down. So we pick the fruit, we pre-cool it right after it's picked, we keep it in a refrigerated cooler, we ship it on a refrigerated truck, we ship it to hopefully a distribution center of a, a retailer that has um, refrigeration and then after that it's really out of our hands so we're we we always like to encourage our retail partners to have refrigerated cases because that's going to give them the longest shelf life that's going to present the berries best um, and keep the quality where it should be so definitely that's your first thing you want to look at is a is a is a refrigerated case and then you you want to pick up the package and you want to inspect it they're all they're clear package um and done a lot of uh, consumer research on this and uh, people like a clear package because they want to see the fruit in there. And so really inspect it, make sure there's not any, you know, um, mold or anything on it. And, and the thing is, even if there is maybe uh, one berry with mold on it, it doesn't mean the entire package is completely uh, gone to waste. If you've taken it home and you've all of a sudden discovered that there's, you know, a moldy berry, well, you could just throw that one out and, Usually the ones on the outskirts are fine, but um, we don't like to see that. But uh, that's, that's basically what I would I would say. Just you know, make sure you inspect the package and the berries look um, look as fresh as can be. No, that's good advice. Now, quick question: Do you know why mold grows on berries so quickly? I mean, is it because they're so moist, or do you know why? I don't I don't know the scientific uh, reason necessarily, but I do know that. Um, the longer they are out of the cold chain or or not refrigerated, I know that starts to happen quickly. 
Um, Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you exactly why. I need to go look that up, actually. There you go. I'll have to Google it after <laughs> this interview. <laughs> so, so what's it like on the marketing side? I mean, you're trying to get consumers interested on buying some fresh produce from you guys. So what are some challenges that you guys face and how do you overcome that to kind of communicate with consumers on your product? Well, our um, marketing side is, is interesting because, um, you know, we – we have to market to three different groups. We have to market to growers, to recruit growers. We have to um, communicate with our retail partners. And we also have to communicate directly to our consumers. And since we're not selling a direct to consumer product, you know, we're going through that retail channel that does kind of create like a whole different, I don't know, uh, uh, it's challenging, but it's, it's different. So, so we're, getting the word out there through Facebook and social media and um, any other avenue we can, but we are continuously trying to promote the health benefits of berries where we are working with influencers in um, across the country to promote the benefits of berries and, and all the different recipes you can do. So there is um, work on our side that we do to, to kind of get that message out there and, uh, it is different because we're not, you know, we can't just put up a, a Google ad and you people click on it and then they say, oh, I want to buy, you know, three packages. So there is kind of a, it's hard to measure the investment that you put into any kind of marketing campaign because you can't say, oh, well, we got this amount of sales based on, you know, this ad that we ran on Facebook. So, um, but I do think there is a, a important benefit to continuously getting out there and promoting. And that's one of the things we do at the strawberry festival. It's a great uh, time for us during the Florida strawberry season to um, connect with consumers and to, you know, we, we sponsor the soundstage, um, which is a really great, um, great thing for our brand. And it allows us to um, be present in people's minds. And I think the more you do that, the, the better the outcome. We've invested a lot in our brand over the years um, since we rebranded to Wish Farms. And we have seen benefits of that because people have, remember your name, <laughs> easier to remember than Wishnatsky. And uh, now they, you know, they go in the store and say, hey, Wish Farms, I know them. And it, it creates a loyalty. Um, so, you know, even though we're not selling direct to consumers, we do see a benefit to investing in our brand. Right. Yeah. No, that totally all makes sense. And yeah, I, I've learned, um, or I've, I've like interviewed a bunch of people with this podcast and kind of learned their brands or what co-ops are a part of it. So anytime we go to the store and they have their products, I'm like, Ooh, I got to buy this to support them. But I feel like the average consumer doesn't do that. But the moment that it kind of clicks and they know somebody or they recognize a brand like wish farms or something, they'll like, I bet nine times out of 10, they'll buy that product if it's there. So that's really cool that you're kind of working on building that relationship. Definitely. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So what's it like, what are some things retailers are looking for whenever you're trying to bring them fresh goods? So, I mean, are you trying to build them, build up a relationship showing them that you can deliver on time? You've got quality products. What's that like? So the retailer relationship is interesting because each retailer is looking for something different um, and specs and our, and our quality control team over the past few years has really done a great job and taking the fruit that's coming in and giving it grades and uh, explaining, describing exactly how the fruit looks and, 
and um, you know what where they think it fits in our program because each retailer has a different um, specification that they uh, they like some some retailers like a more green berry a green strawberry some more like a blood red strawberry and you have to as a um, as a sales team and as a quality control team you have to be able to put the puzzle pieces together and it, my hats off to them they do a great job at doing that uh, retailers are you know, for the last, you know, I don't know how long it's been, but at least a decade, they've been going to more DC alignments um, and building programs with, with uh, marketers. So, you know, you, you work with your retail uh, customer to basically build a program and, you know, you, you work together on shipping to a dedicated distribution center and that helps not only the consumers because they have, they see a kind of a consistency in the store of, you know, they continuously see the same brand. Um, but it also helps us because we know what that distribution center and customers are looking for. So we can um, improve our odds of um, being accepted into that store, not being rejected. Right. Gotcha. And what happens when that fruit gets rejected? I mean, you guys compost it. What happens there? Well, no, actually our team immediately starts working on uh, customers who can, because typically when it gets rejected, the fruit is not bad. It's, it's just, it gets kicked for uh, different reasons. And, you know, maybe someone was having a, a rough day that day and they decided to reject the whole load. But, um, you know, and there are reasons that sometimes um, you'd have to dispose of product, but typically we, we find a, another home for that that product and our team works overtime to to make sure because you're running against the clock when you're dealing with uh, fresh produce you know that clock's ticking so you have to find a home for that that truckload um, as soon as possible so and typically it's not your best best option but sometimes the fruit is really good and it gets rejected for for reasons we don't necessarily agree with and it finds a home in a um, perfectly fine retailer. So um, we, we work very hard as a team to uh, eliminate those things that happen. But again, you're going to have rejections, just the nature of the business. Right. Yeah, I can imagine it just, just kind of happens every now and then. So what do you think about the farmer-consumer relationship in 2020? Do you think it's a relationship that needs a lot of work. Do you think it's getting better? What do you think about kind of the state of that relationship? Oh, that's a, that's a a nuanced question there. Um, I don't know if it's going to get a nuanced answer, but uh, that's, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I do think that more and more people are really trying to find out where their food comes from. And I think farmers are doing you know, because we work with a lot of independent growers and uh, family farms. And I, I think the biggest disconnect with a lot of people is they think that, well, it's just factory farming and there's these big farms, these big corporations that are behind it. No, really, these are family companies and family businesses that, um, you know, are everyday people on Main Street, you know. So I, I do think that the tide may be turning and that, you know, people are starting to see you know, um, a lot of family farms out there and they're supporting, um, 
their local farms and, and this stuff. But I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there is room for improvement to kind of get the message out there to consumers that, you know, we're not, um, that we're, we're, uh, we're just like everybody else. And um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know that that's some good thoughts. I, I saw something, it was some ag influencer talking about um, people who call factory farming, like basically what all farming is. And they were saying, you mean a factory that is efficient at cranking out lots of <laughs> products in sustainable ways? And they're like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's always, funny. you know, I, I, I know I, it's, we, we do need to do a better job, I think, of showing people where their food comes from. Because so many people just think, oh, it comes from the grocery store you know, and we, we have to educate people that, you know, farming is, is very important. And it's how we live. I mean, everything you eat is started at a farm. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's super important that we continue that effort. And, I, you know, that's one of the reasons why we try to do tours at our farm, because, you know, the more the public can see how we operate and see our operation we're not some big scary corporation um i think the better it will be because people will understand you know how difficult it is it's it's a difficult industry and it's and it's a very important important one yeah no absolutely absolutely so well nick this has been awesome kind of learning about you guys over at wish farms and kind of what you're doing if people want to follow you guys, if they want to see what you're up to, where can they go to follow you? Like your website, Instagram, where can they go? Yeah, we actually, um, we're all on Instagram. We have, um, just follow at Wish Farms and we're on Instagram, Facebook. We're always doing fun posts and sharing fun recipes and doing giveaways and all kinds of great stuff. And our website too, we just revamped that, which I'm pretty proud of. Uh, so wishfarms.com is also a good way to kind of keep keep up to date with different things we're doing. And um, yeah, we're, we're definitely very active on, on social media. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a stickler for websites and I found you guys's and it is really nice. I love it. It looks Thank really, you. it's like really modern, really up to date. It's really cool. So we will Thank make sure we get our listeners to go check it out. But Nick, thanks so much for being on. We wish you guys the best of luck over at Wish Farms. Thanks a lot, Trevor. It was a pleasure talking to you today.